Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz, and you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website at sumatisparks.com. S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks, as in Sparks are flying. And when you request my quiz, you'll be automatically added to my mailing list, and you'll be the first to learn about my virtual events and to receive occasional helpful tidbits of advice and information to add more love, passion, and joy into your life. So tonight, we're doing a very unusual experiment for the radio show. We have as our guest Don Davidson and her polyamory um, online group on Zoom, who's all calling in and going to participate with us today. And uh, let me tell you about Don Davidson. Don Davidson is a longtime San Francisco Bay Area community organizer and the leader of the East Bay Polyamory Group, formerly called the East Bay Poly Potluck. Through her Love Outside the Box coaching business, she also offers counseling to people in various relationship styles, including the LGBTQ plus community, polyamorous people, and other forms of consensual non-monogamy. She believes that no matter who or how many you love, love is always okay. And Dawn's discussion group, discussion group has continued to meet monthly on Zoom throughout the pandemic. And we are going to be talking about how things are reopening and how people are feeling about reconnecting with community in real life again and how to negotiate COVID safety agreements with new partners, and also where to meet potential new polyamorous partners. So those are the three main topics tonight, and we're really happy to have um, Dawn's polyamory group here with us to participate in this discussion. So first of all, I want to welcome Dawn to the show. Welcome, Dawn. Hi, Sumi. I'm really glad to be here. Welcome back to the show, I should say, because you were on a few years ago, right? That's true. I was one of your earlier uh, interviewees, if I recall correctly. Right, and we go way back to, uh, I remember going to one of your pool parties about umpteen years ago. <laughs> yes, yes. It could have been quite a while ago now. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to be able to see you on Zoom because usually I don't get to see my guests on the radio show here. Right. Okay, so we have a, an interesting little experiment here. We'll see if some of the people have actually joined the radio show. Um, and we've asked them to put their phone number in the chat if they want to participate in the discussion so we'll know where they are and the waiting on the hold. I've got all these phone numbers on hold right now, and I can't tell who's who unless you put your number in the chat. So the topics, again, <laughs> are how are you feeling about things opening again. I know California is one of the slower states to reopen, um, and that's where most of the people are from here, but not all of us. I'm in Hawaii, and it's kind of pretty slow going here too. Um, But depending on where you are, um, it's kind of slowly reopening. We're starting to have gatherings again. So how are you feeling about that? Because some people are feeling like they're kind of more introverted, and they kind of like the staying at home. You know, it was comfortable for them and they might might have started in you know new practices like making art or music or you know started in a workout regimen or something and they're afraid that they'll lose that flow if they go back to crazy running around to events all the time 
Um, other people are dying to get back out where they can hug multiple people, and then other people are somewhere in the middle. Like they they want to do they want to be back in community again, but they feel like their social skills might be a little rusty. So let's start with that topic and just see how people are feeling about this big shift that's slowly starting to happen. So right now we have it looks like Loretta. How's number? Let me find you here, Loretta. Give me a second. It was either Loretta or Comet, so go ahead. Can you hear? Hello. Yes. We're excited about coming out of COVID. For me, this is Comet, and my preparations for it include getting vaccinated. Um, I have my first shot already, and my second one is going to be a week from Friday. And we've been keeping in touch with people, both of us, online. So that way, once things are safe, we'll be out meeting people in person, going over to the East Bay Poly meetups, for example. Thank you, Comet. So you're you're excited about going back out after you get your second vaccine. Is that what you're saying? I'm excited to be back out. We've gone carefully out to some places when they've been limited and six feet apart, like we've been over to Harbin Hot Springs. Um, when they were briefly open, and uh, we go over to the Sequoians Naturist Center over there in what? Where is that? Castro yeah. Valley, uh, occasionally. So we're not just stuck at home, but mostly mm-hmm. at home. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing, comment. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Anybody else want to share? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody else want to share how they're feeling about the changes that are? coming our way. Okay. Am I still well, I know on? for me, me, Dawn, yeah, you want to share, Dawn? Sure. I mean, I'm happy to uh, share my perspective as well. I know for me, I'm definitely one of those in the middle kind of folks um, because there have been some great things about um, COVID, you know, about the, the shutdown um, for me. One is that a lot of events have gone online. And, um, you know, that's really great for accessibility. Oh, geez, I'm struggling with my headset here. Um, sorry. Sounds fine. Um, so, um, and it looks like we have a hand up from Sonia, uh, Sonia Song here. So I don't know what's going on with Sonia. Maybe okay, she go can't ahead, Don. Hear. I'll take care. Yeah, go ahead, um, Don. Go ahead. So anyhow, I'm I'm firmly in the middle camp. Um, I think that uh, you know all the online stuff has been, oh, geez, great for accessibility as well as convenience. I like not driving, you know, as much. Um, I like to uh, be able to, uh, you know, roll out of bed and show up for a meeting, (laughs) you know, um, without having to go anywhere or even necessarily get dressed. Uh, That's pretty convenient. Um, my art class went online, and um, as a result, we have people now from all over the country that come in, including some folks that used to be 
uh, part of our group, but then have moved away. So they're really happy that uh, we're doing the online thing. And we're going to try um, uh, you, uh, we're going to try, you know, doing sort of a hybrid thing as we re-enter. And that's one of the questions that I have for the group, especially those who would be interested in attending the in-person East Bay events, um, sort of a version of it is, uh, you know, how do you feel about online versus in-person and what are you looking forward to um, and do we want as a group, as specifically the East Bay polyamory group, do we want to do all in person? Do we want to alternate online and in person? Do we want to do some hybrid thing? I mean, I'm really curious to know um, what folks are into. So, um, yeah, I see that. Okay, I'm going to bring ready, Sonia so go on for now. It. Okay, Sonia, hello. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and, and let us know how you're feeling about the changes. Um, I retired from the Berkeley, the East Bay area, to uh, Kauai about uh, eight years ago. And then uh, I have been uh, totally enjoying uh, uh, Kauai. And uh, also I enjoyed the shutdown time, staying home, and uh, do a lot of uh, learning. Um, but I'm eager to go the East Bay and visit my son and the grandkids. They are uh, twins, a girl and boy, and they are turning five years old, and I haven't seen them in uh, about a year and a half. So I'm very eager to uh, be able to travel again. Yes, that's a really common thing where um, people haven't been able to see their grandkids, and grandkids haven't been able to see their grandparents, and I have a, a mother in her 80s who I'm dying to hug again. So that, that's a really exciting part of it. Thank you for bringing that to our presence, Sonia. And somebody else shared that they want in-person meet, meetings where there's also a camera and a microphone for remote viewers to participate. And that is one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that we've been able to have Zoom meetings with people from all over the world. We get to meet with people who aren't just from our area. So it would be nice to be able to maintain that as we go into the next phase here, somehow where we get to meet in person and not miss out on all of the richness that we got from people all over the world. I know there's a, a group that I'm in that has a committee that's exploring how to do that. Like, how do we merge those two worlds together, the virtual and the in real life? And it's quite a challenge. Dawn? Uh, well, yes, I agree. It is quite a challenge. Um, and, um, you know, I know that with the art class that I mentioned, the director of that group has installed a large uh, TV screen in uh, the space where the art class normally meets. And uh, so we're going to try to have the ability to have people, you know, show up remotely uh, as, a, as a hybrid version but I agree that there's just so much richness. I, you know, in in this group and in my other group that I lead, the um, Polyamory Peer Power Group, uh, out of the San Mateo County Pride Center, 
we've had people showing up from uh, Paris and Costa Rica and Canada, and it's been super exciting to be able to have, uh, you know, all these um, different uh, folks from all over the place. Right. Um, So anybody else from the group want to share about their feelings about connecting back up with community again in real life? I mean, I know we've had social connections, but they've mostly been virtual. Okay, well, let's move on. Um, Okay, so somebody shared privately. um, They've done a lot of personal growth, so it feels so strange to interact in person with folks again. Like, who is this person Mm. I'm with? Who is this person Mm. I'm with other, other people? So I'm not sure if this person who asked the question is talking about themselves as they've grown. I mean, I can relate to that. Like, I have grown and changed in this year and three months or however long it's been. And I feel like I'm this new person reemerging back out into the world. And so how, how do I show up as this new me with other people? And my body has changed, too. Um, I know a lot of us have put on weight um, during this time. And so when I go up back out in the world, I feel a little self-conscious that my body looks different. And then I see other people and I see like, oh, a lot of people have gained weight. I'm not the only one. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> they still love me. <laughs> I even saw this picture of Will Smith today showing his, his COVID pot belly. <laughs> so he like really normalized it, you know. So um, So there's that. And then... Like, so who is the social self that, this is what the the person said, I don't know who the social self is anymore. So, um, like, there's a part of us that socializes that hasn't gotten a lot of exercise this past year. So, like, who is that person that's social with other people? Yeah, that's a really good point. And then we also are reconnecting with people that, you know, maybe we've seen, talked to and seen some of our close, close friends, but that next layer of friends that's kind of, like, not close friends, but the next layer out in the circle, maybe we haven't seen them as much. And so who are they now after this time? So it's a lot of questions. Um, We have another person that wants to share here. So let me see if I can find them over here. Just one second. Ross? Yes. Thanks for taking my call. Wait, I haven't got you yet. I don't think I've got you yet. Do I? Hmm. Okay, so you can hear me on the radio show? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, great. Uh, I don't know how my audio is doing. I hope it's coming in clear. Yes, it is. So, yeah, I have a unique, strange experience because due to the pandemic and the shutdown, I've actually had to go from uh, California, the Bay Area, North Bay, uh, to Sacramento, from Sacramento to Santa Barbara. From Santa Barbara, now I'm in Virginia, so it's actually pretty late here right now. Wow. Yeah, so I've actually had a a kind of a whirlwind, uh, both financial and otherwise, and job uh, due to the pandemic and the shutdown of businesses. So 
I've had to change communities. Interestingly enough, each community I went to handled it differently. And some are uh, masked and doing the guidelines, and some aren't as much. Some are more open. And um, wherever you go, you create a bubble. So, for instance, in the North Bay, was they were one of the very first to be affected by the pandemic, if you remember back in February, March of last year. And um, they took it very seriously, a very restrictive but then you went to Sacramento, and it was as if nothing happened. Um, there were people about, and not some not using the mask, some not. And so my bubble was actually larger. I had a small group of people that I would connect with there. And then when I got to Santa Barbara, which was a new community, I was actually lucky enough to welcome, be welcomed by some amazing ecstatic dancing because I'm part of the groups in each community. And I think it's forces you to find your tribe, uh, people that you connect with the most. Um, not everywhere is there a poly group or um, a non-monogamy group that's conscious enough in each community. So I think that's part of the thing that I'm looking at now is as I travel between communities, how am I going to connect with others and how do I feel about what that process is going to look like? Um, and so Roller. that's where I'm at now. Thanks for taking my comment. Yeah, thank you. I, I relate to that because I I left California fairly early on in the pandemic because I had already settled at my apartment. I was mostly traveling around in my RV, and it got smoky and everything. So I went to New Mexico, and and it was a different vibe there. And then I ended up in Hawaii, and it was a totally different vibe here. So it's it's really like there's different cultures with how people re- responded to the pandemic. And even in California, I did a lot of travel in California, and I'd go from, like, the Bay Area where it was, like, 100% masked in, like, Whole Foods, and then I'd go to, like, one of the suburbs, and it was, like, 50% masked, and then I'd go to a rural area, and it was, like, 1% masked. <laughs> so it was really different, like, noticing all the different cultures as I traveled around. Um, Dawn, you wanted to say something? Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree about the different cultures around the, uh, the country and even I didn't realize there were also so many around the Bay Area. Uh, that I hadn't experienced, but uh, I spent a bunch of time in Memphis, Tennessee during this uh, adventure we've been on and let me tell you, that is a very different place uh, uh, culturally. There's a lot of uh, anti-maskers in that area, and um, it was it was a bit scary. Um, so, um, what I actually wanted to um, sort of jump in about was you mentioned Sumi being a little, you know, concerned about how you were moving around in the world having, you know, put on a little bit of weight and, you know, how glad you were that Will Smith had normalized it. And I just wanted to sort of bring up the uh, the point that some of the benefits that I see about, um, you know, what's been going on is that uh, that everybody has had this experience, you know, 
and that it is sort of normalizing that bodies don't have to look like what we see on our television screens. We don't have to necessarily adhere um, to, uh, you know, this this uh, unreasonable set of expectations um, that we've been given by the, you know, the entertainment industry and the diet industry and all of that. And I think that's, I think that's one of the gifts that we've been having. And at the same time, I understand that sense of, well, you know, how do I proceed? For me, this, uh, I've experienced um, a lot of relief being able to finally be touching my you know, most primary partner because I've been bubbled separately from his bubble this whole time. And it's been a really, really rough year. Um, I ended up, you know, being pretty severely touch deprived. So I'm looking forward to the part of where I get to um, be, you know, um, able to touch more people. And at the same time, I'm sort of weirded out by the notion of having to drive somewhere and you know all that kind of stuff so anyhow that was that was it yeah thank you okay well let's move on to the next um topic of discussion and this is a juicy one so this is how to negotiate covid safety agreements with new partners and um, many of us who have a lot of experience with ethical non-monogamy also have experience with how to have what we call safer sex conversations. So we use the word safer sex because we know there's no such thing as 100% safe sex. If you're going to have sex other than with one monogamous partner who you also know is being monogamous because there's a lot of cheating going on. <laughs> so. If 200% monogamous people are their only partners for their whole life, then there's probably no risk of STIs. But anything outside that box, there's some risk of STIs. And so we, we talk about how to mitigate the risks and how to be aware and conscious of the decisions we make. And so we call it having safer sex conversations. And that's where we talk about, you know, when were you last tested and what were you tested for? What were the results? Who are your partners? What are your practices with your partners? Are there any partners that you see regularly that you don't use barriers with? And, and then, you know, what STIs have, do you have a history of? Um, uh, what practices do you want to do with me? You know, what, what, what do you think we should do? We, we negotiate what uh, restrictions, if any, we want to have in our play. And this is something that we do in advance as soon as we think that there might be any possibility at all of sensual or sexual play, um, it's, you know, when we're teenagers or in our early 20s, you know, we, we get hot and heavy, we start making out, and then right before we're going to have intercourse, we go, oh, should we grab a condom? You know? And so those of us with a little more experience and maturity learn to bring the conversation up, even if it feels audacious or you're assuming something, you know, it's better to just have that conversation in case things go there. So you can have the conversation before you're high on sex hormones. <laughs> so similarly with COVID safety, we can use those same skills to talk about that. 
So I've talked long enough. I want to turn this over to Don now. And Don, how would you role model, or what are your ideas about how to have a COVID safety conversation? Uh, well, you know, it's like you said, it's it's not completely dissimilar, um, but uh, it is, uh, you know, you have to think about with with. Safer sex conversations, the advantage is that people are not at risk, other people are not at risk until you take your clothes off and start rubbing the slippery bits together, basically, you know. Um, So you can have a conversation with somebody in person, um, but uh, with COVID, you have to have this conversation in advance, you know, before... uh, before you're even in the same airspace. So, you know, I think a lot of what you need to do is assess what everybody's risk tolerances are. Um, and, um, you know, that that can be really challenging. I know one of the things that's been challenging for me in all of this is, like I said, I was bubbled separately from my most primary partner. And uh, one of his partners was on, uh, you know, the very low end of risk tolerance. They were not able to tolerate hardly any risk at all. And uh, so that actually ended up with some real challenges around negotiating. And what they finally ended up doing, actually, um, was... uh, in within that group within their bubble they created a spreadsheet and listed all the various things people might think they want to do like you know go to a play party or go to the grocery store or go to a movie inside or go to a restaurant outside or go to a restaurant um you know um uh, indoors and so they um you know, they uh, were, they all contributed to this large spreadsheet, you know, uh, and uh, then they sort of worked out, well, you know, we think going to an outdoor restaurant is a four on the risk scale and this other person thinks it's a six on the risk scale and how do we negotiate that? And they eventually came up with, you know, a list of things and how risky they felt everything was. And, um, you know, it took, it took a little while. Um, so I think, I think to some degree it depends on, uh, on um, how, uh you know, how many people you're negotiating with. Um, And, of course, in polyamory or open relationships, we're often negotiating with more people. Um, And that makes it more complicated. So, you know, I don't know. Um, What does anybody else think? Yeah, I just asked Don't. if anyone else wants to share about Safer COVID, ask any questions or share their experience of 
expanding their bubble or if they even expanded their bubble during the worst of the pandemic. Um, I, I'll tell a, a story about a, an epic sale that I had while we're waiting to see if anybody else wants to share. Um, so early on in the pandemic, I thought, well, you know what? Um, it's, it could be a really good thing. Um, the pandemic could be kind of like a chaperone to cause me to go slower. So I don't like jump into bed with somebody <laughs> too soon um, because I'm going to want to, you know, find out who this person is so I can trust them, you know, because it's pretty risky to just air bond with somebody right away without really knowing them. So it caused me to like go slower. So I met somebody on a dating app kind of like in the spring of 2020 and we had several phone calls and several zoom calls and he lived a little bit far out of town. He was going to be coming up to my area. So we had several weeks to talk before he was coming into town and so I felt like I knew him really well, and we had a great connection. So we went for a hike, and we agreed that we weren't going to wear masks because by this point we felt like we really knew each other quite well. So we went for a hike, and he gave me a kiss, you know, about a mile into the hike, like a quick little kiss, and that was sweet. And then we hiked a little bit farther. So now we're about a mile and a half away from our cars. And he goes, I need to tell you something. So we sit down on a, on a log or something, and he tells me that he has a girlfriend, <laughs> And he's actually staying with her. Um, and he knew I was polyamorous. In fact, he'd, he'd seen one of my online events, so he knew I was a polyamory coach and everything. <laughs> and he still lied to me and didn't tell me he had a girlfriend. And I said, oh, you're staying with your girlfriend. Okay, so that means I'm air-bonded with your girlfriend, too. You know, that means I'm indirectly sharing air with her. Um, who else is she air-bonded with? And he says, oh, just her best friend and her best friend's husband and another couple <laughs> they hang out with and two of their friends. And I go, okay, wait, that's six other people that I'm air-bonded with non-consensually? And I was furious, and I wanted to just, if my car was there, I would have just driven away. But we're like a mile and a half away from our cars. <laughs> so we just sat and we talked it through, and he felt a lot of shame and embarrassment for not being honest. But I was just furious, and we walked back to the car, and, you know, I tried to be forgiving, but the next day I just said, you know, I'm really upset by this. I don't know that I can trust you, and then he just never replied. So that showed me that, um, you know, you can't always know somebody just through a bunch of virtual meetings. You really have to take the time to know them in your life before you can really trust that they're not lying to you. So it's no, it's no joke. You really have to should take some time to get to know people. Okay, anyone else have an anecdote or a question or a share about safer COVID? How do, so somebody asks, how do we even frame the discussion when there are folks who don't believe in COVID? Oh, that's a good one. Because I learned early on when I was doing app dating early on, because I ended a relationship in like March of 2020. So bad timing. So just like Dawn, I was like totally touched to bribes all alone. All my sweeties were, the remaining sweeties in my polyamorous life were either in other states or they were in other primary partnerships in a closed bubble. So I had nobody for a while. So I was doing a lot of app dating and I learned right off the bat to ask people about their understanding of the disease and, you know, where they fall on the scale because I would have like a 15, 20-minute conversation with somebody on the phone and then find out that they thought the whole thing was a democratic hoax to make Trump look bad or 
another guy said, you know, it's not in my karma to get COVID. And I said, well, what if you give it to someone else? And he goes, it's not in my karma to give it to anyone else. And I was like, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you have to kind of learn where people are. And then I, I developed like a scale eventually when I started dating people. I'd say, okay, a, a 10 is somebody who goes to like a Trump rally and a one is like my 80-some-odd mother, 80-year-old mother who won't go out of her house. So where are you on that scale? Like when I was in California, I was like a two. And when I came to Hawaii, I was like a four because everybody gets tested before they come to the island. So I was a little more casual and loose on Hawaii than I was in California. So I want to date somebody who's like one degree of separation from that. So if I'm a four, I want to date somebody who's like a between a three and a five. Or else, you know, you're just going to have really different beliefs around it. So that's one way that I handle it. Um, what what are your thoughts about that question, Don? What do you do if people don't even believe that COVID's real? Um, then I have to take the most restrictive uh, position, basically, um, because it's super important to me to protect others in my life. So that's one of the things, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, – being in Memphis was a little scary because there were a lot of anti-maskers there. And part of the reason that it was scary was I was dealing with my, uh, my elderly parents. And in the time before they got vaccinated, um, you know, the notion that I would go out to, uh, you know, pick up food and run into somebody who had COVID who unknowingly would pass it to me because of not believing that it was a real thing, you know, it, it was very scary to me. So, uh, you know, that just led me to be even more restrictive while I was there. So, um, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about how upset you were that this person lied to you about who they were airbonded with. And, you know, for folks who are listening in, um, we're using air bonded as a version of, you know, what we would normally say in um, polyamory circles as fluid bonded, you know, where when we're having these safer sex conversations, we are fluid bonded where, um, you know, uh, we're we are in in our sex sex bubble together um but in covid times we are air bonded so we have to be in you know this air bubble with uh everybody and those uh discrepancies can be really challenging and the best that i've been able to do is just to try to be really um compassionate you know, with myself and with others. And it's required me to be really patient. You know, um, I've been super duper frustrated by the whole thing with my most primary partner and his other partner who was very, very, very conservative. Um, Because in, you know, in my view, that uh, there wasn't a lot of science backing up that particular need and so it was very frustrating to me 
Um, and I find that that's carried over a little bit, that now that we're finally able to be together, I'm, I'm a little less patient with things like rescheduling dates because I feel like, well, you guys had him, you know, that partner all year, <laughs> and I haven't had him all year. And right. You can be a little, a little more flexible now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So one person wrote an anonymous post, the free speech coalition guideline for porn performers is for a COVID test to be one to two days prior to each shoot for every person who will be present on the set. So within 48 hours of the porn shoot, everybody on the set has to come back with a negative test. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that share. Um, so Stephen has been trying to join us. I think he finally got on. I'm going to see if this is him here. Is this you, Stephen? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Would you like to? Okay, great. I'm glad you finally made it in. So Stephen, we've been talking about how it feels to go back out into in-real-life events in the polyamory community and how we're going to negotiate and navigate um, you know, so that we feel safe around COVID and stuff. Do you have any thoughts or anything you'd like to share about going back out into real life community again? Well, actually, uh, hold on. Well, actually, uh, yeah, you want to you want to be I'm on mute? <laughs> no, you need to be on mute. I'm muting you on purpose, Stephen. Yeah. We can hear you on the radio show, though, so go ahead. We can hear you on the radio show. Well, well, I'm doing, um, I'm doing some, I'm still learning. I'm still learning uh, everything I can about those, uh, about those, uh, about those choices. And uh, I'm doing some, I'm, I'm, I'm currently doing a, sh- uh, I'm currently doing a shop around of a, Shopping around for those partners that I can yeah, potential partners that I could that I could possibly meet, you know, for some uh, for some uh, poly relationship, uh, future poly relationships and everything. Great. And how are you feeling about you know being kind of um, more isolated this past year plus? and now going back out to being more social again. Are you excited about that, a little nervous? I, well, actually, I'm a little nervous. Uh-huh. I'm a little nervous. Uh, I have a, uh, like, I'm, I'm still having trouble, uh, trouble uh, trying to uh, attract people, and er- uh, trying to attract people as well as socializing people and everything. Yeah, I hear you. I think everybody's a little bit nervous and cautious, so it's not like we're sprinting back into the dating scene. We're kind of tiptoeing back into it. So thank you for sharing with yeah, us, Stephen. I really appreciate it. And uh, and uh, I'm also, well, well like, like I said, I'm doing a little, uh, I mean, I, don't, I currently don't have any uh, partners at this moment, but I'm doing some, uh, I'm doing some, uh, some shopping around. Shopping around a bit. Well, that brings us to our next topic. Perfect segue. (laughs) 
Um, so I'm going to take you off the radio show right now so you'll just be able to listen now, Stephen. Um, so if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at sumatisparks.com. And tonight we have as our guest Don Davidson, a longtime San Francisco Bay Area polyamory community organizer. And she has brought her polyamory meetup group with her tonight. <laughs> So we're doing an interesting <laughs> experiment where we can all see each other on Zoom on her regular. She's been continuing to meet with her group throughout the whole pandemic on Zoom. So we can see all the folks on Zoom, and we've asked them all to call into the radio show so that we can also have discussion here. So we did this little mergey kind of thing. If you are listening to the radio show but not in Dawn's uh, polyamory group, you are also welcome to call in and ask a question. And that number is 657-383-1132, and you'll be put on hold, and we will just go ahead and um, answer the call when, when it's the right time. You won't interrupt us, so just feel free to call in. Again, that number is 657-383-1132. So um, we have our third question in the three questions that we were going to discuss tonight, and that question is where to meet potential compatible polyamorous partners. Um, so I know during the pandemic, dating apps were uh, one of the only ways. I also noticed that um, I've had a better um, luck at meeting people in online conferences, like Tantra conferences or any kind of conference that was related to potential non-monogamous people like ISTA and, um, you know, sex-positive online conferences. I had more success meeting people there because I got to do breakout sessions with people and kind of meet a lot of people in a short period of time. So I found that to be a little better than the dating apps where you just swipe until you're blind and, and it's a numbers game. Um, and then of course there's always asking your friends, you know, ask your friends, do you know anybody that you think I should meet? And you can tell them what you're looking for. But those are the three ways that I've found during this time. Um, we have an, uh, somebody here, let me, answer them okay and then we'll come to Don in just a second let me go back okay so I think this was either Loretta or um, her partner I forgot his name <laughs> Comet Comet go ahead Comet okay you can hear me now yes go ahead excellent um, certainly what you had just mentioned, meeting through mutual friends. That's how I met Loretta some, quite some time ago. We've been a stable poly relationship for before the web existed. Uh, so <laughs> wow. this method certainly works. Uh, she was a friend of a coworker, and I said, I'm looking for someone compatible with me, the coworker knew me, and I said, should be cuddly and, you know, fun and adventuresome and so on. And she knew someone. And Loretta and I actually first met each other through being pen pals over U.S. snail mail because the Internet wasn't something that was in everyone's house. And so we got to know each other through writing before we ever met in person to meet each other. And so... Uh, the current thing with the internet and so on, well, my name's Comet. That's my full legal name. It's been that way since the early 80s in college, where someone I met on a computer network said I was like a comet burning brightly in the night. 
and it wasn't like a dating site or something. I posted some of my poetry. I'd read another artist's poetry, and then, you know, I directly emailed the other person, and then we did interactive chat. So one way that I meet people, uh, whether it's COVID or not, doesn't matter. I'm still very active online sharing my knowledge. I do origami. I talk about uh, different things like on the Quora website, question and answer. I answer questions about mathematics or computer hacking or about being a porn performer or, you know, whatever I happen to know about. I just write answers to share my knowledge because a lot of people are curious. And of course, Sometimes I'll meet people who will be friendly, you know. And so I have a friend who's a truck driver in Canada. If I ever went over there, you know, maybe I would hook up or something, depending on the situation of relationships or whatnot. The important thing with me, you see, is to make a relationship with people as people. So the fact that you don't see the body or who knows what they look like, that doesn't matter to me. I care about making connections with people as people and so of course the body things are fun and wonderful Uh, (laughs) but in terms of meeting people as we move on towards COVID I recommend that people pursue their interests go to things like meetups find different online places where they can participate share their knowledge because that's what makes you interesting as a person okay it's like if you're a woman you get all these dick pics just because you're a woman that gets kind of boring. It isn't like attractive. I mean, sure, some might look prettier than others, but it isn't like you're going to pick, <laughs> gee, I think it's that lover because the dick pic's nice. No. You want to have some feeling of who's this person as a person, you know? What is it that we have in common? What are our shared interests? And, you know, going over to a dating site? No, you don't need to do that. Think of what you actually like, what you're passionate about, and look for where you share your knowledge. And you will attract other people who are similarly passionate, and some of them will be closer or farther or whatever, but you'll make real relationships. And so that's my recommendation about how to meet people. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, We have another person that wants to make a comment here or a question. Uh, Mark, go ahead. Can you hear us, Mark? No, you don't want to talk on Zoom, sweetie. You want to talk on the radio show on your phone. (laughs) It's complicated. (laughs) This is a little experiment (laughs) we have here. Okay. I I can't hear you. Oh, there you are. I can't hear you. Hmm. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I think Mark, Mark said earlier that his phone wasn't working indoors so oh uh, I don't okay well go ahead Don uh, I know you had something you want to say about this topic go ahead uh actually I was saying actually that I oh. didn't but <laughs> oh okay well I have one more thing um, I can I mean, add I will, while Mark had and echo that uh, you know while we're seeing if if we can get Mark actually to be heard um I'll echo what Comet had to say in that, um, you know, I think that this is true in general. It's good dating advice in general to go go where you are happy doing something and meet other people that are happy doing that thing. 
you know. So the good news is that as we start opening up again, then um, we'll be able to do things like, um, you know, uh, go dancing again. Because I know that, uh, you know, I've really been missing the opportunity to dance and sing. Both of those things have been impossible to do. Um, the kind of dancing and singing that I do, which is group-oriented stuff. I'm, I'm into doing that uh, with groups. So, um, you know, it'll be really great to have that opportunity again. Um, look, really looking forward to it. And at the same time, I've also enjoyed developing, you know, doing more of the the Zentangle method of um, art that I've uh, gotten into during this past year, and I just got uh, certified in doing that, uh, in teaching it. So that's going to be cool. something that's going to be exciting, and I've met more people that way. Cool. Thank you. Um, so, Mark, can you hear us yet, or can we hear you? I can you? hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, good. Now I can hear you. Great. Go ahead, Mark. Ah. Oh, I was just going to make a comment. As, as a, an older you know, citizen here in the States, it's really hard to find someone who – with age compatibility uh, and understanding what is uh, COVID sensitivity uh, and all of the other baggage that comes with uh, years of experience to find a partner who you even want to uh, share an intimate knowledge with, an intimate experience. Right. Yeah, that's a common thing is people looking for um, somebody who's age compatible. And um, I had a poly over 50 meetup group before I moved away from Oakland. Um, I know there's a poly over 50 Facebook group, um, but they're spread out oh, all around. Oh, please share the link. Oh, it's just a Facebook group. Just search for it on Facebook, poly over 50. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's more of a discussion or a place to meet people. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, the dating apps have, you can narrow your search down to a certain age range. And I know that's, you know, very arduous, especially for men, but there is that. And there are some communities that are starting to have gatherings again. Um, I know the high community is having vaccinated only workshops to start. And then they are going to look at um, opening it up to people who can't or don't want to receive a vaccination. But to start, they had overwhelming um, uh, popularity around having to be vaccinated only. I know there's going to be some new culture-related gatherings, um, some for people that are vaccinated and some for people who are just simply getting, have simply gotten a test first. Um, so there are starting to be, and there's outdoor activities too. I know the Bonobo community in the Bay Area has um, some outdoor activities. So um, I would just, you know, keep an eye on the finger on the pulse, talk to some people in this community and other places about where are people starting to gather in safe places that you feel comfortable in. Um, We're almost out of time, so I'm going to go over to Amanda. Um, Let me find their number on here. There we are. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Go ahead, Amanda. This is a little weird. Um, yeah, I am part of some of these communities that are starting to open up again, and um, 
it's been interesting because I've been vaccinated for longer than some other folks because I work in the education um, uh, world, and it's still been weird. Um, I went to uh, a housewarming party uh, recently and was, you know, kind of finally getting to be around, you know, friends that I haven't seen in forever, and I was feeling anxious towards the end of it. Like, you know, there was... Uh, this, because it was not at a picnic, it was more like it was at somebody's, in somebody's backyard in a more kind of, um, I don't know, intimate setting. I just felt this kind of anxiety about, you know, being around people and having that like, oh, in the before times, it might have been, you know, you, you hug or you kiss somebody or like you start flirting and see where things might go. And I kind of realized in that moment, like, I'm not ready for that. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard because I am, you know, weighing the, you know, nostalgia and wanting to connect with folks and, um, you know, do, do that, but also just feeling really like it's still not something I'm ready to do. So I'm kind of waiting on that stuff and, and still doing, like, kind of outdoor picnic stuff that feel a little bit more um, kind of open and less personal and intimate. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so we have a couple more minutes. Um, Ross, did you also want to share again? Yes? Okay, let me get you over here. If I can remember which number was yours, I think it was this one. Can you hear me, Ross? Can we hear you is the question. Oh, no, I did the wrong number. Hold on one second, Ross. I thought I knew which number was yours. Okay, oh, here I am. go ahead, Ross. Oh, you, you got me. Uh, that's great. And it's good to hear Amanda again. Um, so, yeah, I feel like uh, everybody's advice has been really amazing, and thank you so much, because I actually wanted to steer towards the dating app, uh, because I just really felt, uh, I'm a, as a solo polyamorous, who it's been a while since I had uh, the open relationships, um, again, I haven't had a chance to reconnect with anybody and so I thought, well, maybe that's the best way to begin the conversation at the very beginning because it's kind of like coming out to somebody about your, your lifestyle and the way you relate to others. Um, it's so it's non-traditional. And uh, to be surrounded in those, those uh, micro-environments where people can accept you. And it's so nice to hear uh, there are communities out there that do that. And uh, it's nice to be able to connect with those communities like uh, like you mentioned the dancing blues fusion something that i enjoyed doing ecstatic all those have a tendency to be more uh, sex positive and fluid and i think it's to find more like minds in those environments and it's great to have comments and another baby people's encouragement to go do that so um i think i'll stick with that train of thought um but if anybody has uh uh trepidation or comments, I know we're at the end, to be able to share maybe afterwards with me about how you begin that conversation because it is a, it is a bit intimidating, especially not having had 
to have those conversations at all. Uh, I think people are right. anxious. They, they really want to start getting out and making more and touching people, like you said, and getting involved with the relationships, but they're just a little shy. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Ross. Well, just just remember that you're not alone. Um, we're all in this together still. Um, it's awkward for most of us. There's very few people I've talked to who feel like most people feel like they're a little out of shape, you know, socially. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we're gonna we're almost out of time. So I want to give Dawn a chance to give us her final thoughts and anything else you want to share with us about um, your offerings. Dawn, go ahead. Thank you so much, Sumati. Um, yeah, I understand how everybody's feeling kind of awkward. When I went to help a friend with packing uh, up for them to move um, soon, uh, I sent them a message, and I, I, I texted them. I'm like, should I come to the door? I think I forgot how to knock. Um, <laughs> you know, because I just kind of was like, it was so weird. Um and and I just I also want to say one of the things that that I did last year when I was doing my my other art group, um, I did a piece that I eventually called "We Are All in Different Boats Together." We we are all we are we are all yeah we are all in different boats together. Um, we're not actually in the same boat. Everybody's experience is unique. But we're all in different boats in the same ocean. So we're all having this experience, and there are things that are similar to other people's experience. We're all going through this. And at the same time, everybody's experience is unique and different and not like anybody else's. And I think Mm -hmm. that's both the, the joy and the challenge of uh, COVID in this past year, and also of polyamory in general. We have to learn how to navigate uh, our individual experiences while in the collective of, uh, of our, our units and our community and our world. And I think, that's, Great. Uh, Thank I you. think that's some of the balance. So, Thank you um, so much for your insights. Yeah, let us know how we can reach you and what you offer to the world. <laughs> Thank you, Sumi. I really appreciate you just that. Ha- you just have yeah, a minute I, left, though, hon. I have a business called Love Outside the Box, and uh, you can find me on the web at www.loveoutsidethebox.com, and you can write me at loveotb at gmail.com. And again, that's love, OTB for outside the box, L O V E O T B at gmail.com. And thank you so Great. much. I would be happy to do a free uh, one hour consultation if you just send me a message either through the website or at that address. Well, thank you so much. That's very generous. Don has so many years of of consulting, coaching, and um, counseling. So that's very generous of you. Thank you. So thank you all for coming tonight. We'll meet you back in the Zoom room. I'm going to dismiss the rest of you from the show and talk to my listeners for the last 30 seconds. So I'll see you back over in the Zoom room, everybody. So for those of you still listening to the show, 
Um, next week, we have as our guests uh, Tessa and Amir from the Open Nesters. And the Open Nesters are for, um, you know, older people who have no more children and are out there partying. So join us next week at Back to Our Regular Time.